Amen. I want to uh, invite um, my brother Lancer up to share a testimony. He has a good testimony to share. Hello. Uh, so uh, I've been really uh, trying to press into God, <clears throat> and I had a testimony about yielding to the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Lord's really been talking to me. So last week I'm driving to work, and I uh, saw uh, saw a man. Um, he looked looked to be homeless. I, I I didn't know, and I really felt, you know, the Lord speaking to me and said. Give him your tent. And I had a tent in the back of my truck. And I said, what? And I pulled over on the side of the road. And I got the tent out of my truck. And I walked halfway across the road. And I chickened out. I did. And I went back to my truck. And uh, I prayed for him in my truck. And I continued to work. And uh, throughout the day and the afternoon, um, I'm just praying, praying to the Lord, listening to the sermon CDs. And there's a delivery driver that comes and drops off uh, auto parts for us. And I'm up there painting this van. He comes out. I'm like, hey, Tracy, how you doing? You know, he's a uh, happy guy. He's always smiling. And, and uh, he said, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And I'm standing up on top of this ladder on top of this van. He's just looking at me. He's about 20 feet away. And I'm looking at him. And Lancer talked to him about me. What? We just went through this. And I chickened out. <clears throat> so I'm looking at him. He's like kind of staring at me like, what are you doing? You look weird, man. So I get down on the ladder, and, and, I, and I walk over to him, and I said, Tracy, you know the Lord? And his face lit up. He said, yeah, I do. I do. I said, God, God loves you. And, and he, this might sound weird, but, but the Lord told me to come over and, and, and ask you that. And he said, wow. It's funny that you asked me that, because I just moved up here from, from Midwest, and, and I have no church to go to. And I grew up in the church, and I'm a Christian, but I haven't been fed. And I said, Tracy, this is not just some coincidence. You know, the Lord really put you on my heart. And I'm telling you this because I want to do the Lord's work, and I want to yield to him. And so, uh, you know, I told him about our church, and I invited him. And uh, he said, well, that's a little bit far away. And uh, so I went and got him a, a praise and worship CD and, and, uh, and a sermon CD. And I said, you know, you're a delivery driver. Pop it in your CD and, and, and get fed because we all need our daily bread. And uh, we prayed together. And, and, you know, seeing his joy in his heart and on his face, the glory of God, uh, it actually encouraged me. And the Lord said, see, Lancer, you yield to my spirit and you will bless other people. So... Uh, you know, thank you for your time, and, and, and I just wanted to encourage you that yeah, when the Lord speaks to you, listen to him. Listen to him. God bless. Thank you, Lancer. Let's uh, start the word with prayer this morning. Lord, we are hungry for you, for your spiritual food, Lord, that's found in the Bible. Your word that feeds our spirit. Lord, we want to listen to what your Holy Spirit has to say to us this morning. Father God, your words are like water to our soul, Lord, to our spirit, Lord, like a deer, Lord, in the desert that pants after the water, Lord. Our spirits, they pant after your water, Father God. 
the refreshment that comes from you, Father God, from your word, Lord. Father, I pray that you quicken us, Father God. Help us to be sensitive to you. Speak to your people this morning. Father, I pray that you use me, Father God, to uh, say exactly what you want me to say, Lord. Father God, we pray, Lord, that every person in, in this room will be touched and also in the, the children's rooms and wherever people may be, Father God. Lord, that your presence is going to be in this congregation this morning, Father God. Thank you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, you guys hungry spiritually? When you come to church on Sunday, are you ready to hear from God? Are you looking for some change in your life? Do you want to move forward in your spiritual walk? Become stronger in your spirit? You have a goal that you want to reach? And you see this as, Lord, this is another opportunity for me to move forward. Or is it just, is Sunday just a religious activity for you? Something that you do every week out of obligation because you've come into the habit of doing it. I hope it's the former. I hope we are all eager to have the most of what God has for us, to suck the marrow out of what God has, has to offer us. I've never sucked marrow out of bone, but, <laughs> but I've heard people talk about it. So. I want to share a message today that I believe is necessary for us to reach the goal, our goal of becoming a glorious church that is holy and blameless before God. I believe that uh, what we will learn today is if we can remember it, it will be useful not only today, but you know, five years and ten years from now. It's talking about how God uh, works through us to, to shape us and change us. So when we come into a relationship with God, when we first come into a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit comes into us. Okay, The Holy Spirit is living in us, and he begins to change us. So our spirit is reborn and new. That's why we say we are born again. We, we have a new spirit. However, our natural self still remains at the same time. And so these two are coexisting, and the Bible says that they, they're in conflict with one another so that you don't do what you want. Um, this natural self is a hindrance to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Now, to illustrate, we consider the example of Jesus Christ, right? Who, of course... He was fully God, but he was also fully man so that he could suffer and be tempted the same way we are. But he was fully God, and the Holy Spirit worked through him without any hindrance. Okay, so Jesus spoke and acted with the power of God. 
everything that he did had an impact, did exactly what God wanted, wanted him it to do. Jesus was entirely focused on doing God's work. Jesus obeyed the Father even to the point of suffering crucifixion on the cross. So he was completely obedient. Now when we, you know, be honest and examine our own lives, we will see that the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is hindered by our natural self. Okay, that the, 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 the carnal, what they call the carnal or fleshly nature is, is still, still in us, is hindered by our natural self. Um, we want to be used by God. We say, God, please use me. But we lack spiritual power. So we w- spe- seek for the right words to say, but we, 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 do, we don't know, we don't know how, exactly how, how to express it, what, what words to use. We exert a lot of effort and work really hard, but we don't see uh, a big change in people's lives. It seems like there, there's, there's not a big change in people's lives. We may even have a, have a big crowd, but there's no lasting fruit. There's no change. We may use all the right arguments and have all the right doctrine, but it doesn't result in spiritual maturity, people growing up and, and being mature in their spirits. Now, whereas Jesus was entirely focused on go, doing God's work, we are often distracted by what God wants to do in us. We're thrown off by little annoyances or irritations. You know, it's like, oh, if it was only for, if I wasn't distracted by that, you know, that thing that was annoying me or, or this thing that's irritating me, I could, I could keep, keep my focus. But we get so distracted. Jesus wasn't distracted. We constantly compare ourselves with with others, how do I measure up against this person? How do I measure up against this person? What does this person think about about what I'm doing? You know, how am I going to look before these 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 people? And and finally, we fight against what God wants in our lives, mainly because we lack spiritual discernment. We we argue with God. We say, God, that can't be your will because it's not right. No, that's, that's never going to happen. God, you didn't really mean that. We, we lack spiritual discernment to understand what God's will is. And so we, we, can't, we, we aren't obedient like Jesus was, completely obedient. In fact, the, the more spiritually mature we become as Christians, and the longer we are Christians, and the, the, the more experience we have in serving God, the more we realize that our natural self, our thoughts, our abilities, maybe to write or to um, sing or to, or to speak, um, our only thoughts and abilities and judgment are ineffective and even counterproductive. We learn to see that all these things that we normally would think would work to our advantage, advantage can become snares or hindrances to being used by God. And I think uh, eventually we come to the point where 
hopefully we 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 look at at these natural advantages and we we say that we consider them rubbish like Paul did he said all these things that i thought would would benefit me i consider consider them rubbish and he, when he came to the corinthians he said i didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words of men's wisdom but with fear and trembling you know he 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 didn't um he he didn't want to rely on on these these his natural self so we can learn we 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 come to a point where we say lord i'm afraid of my of relying on myself i'm afraid of just relying on my own thoughts to talk to people i'm afraid of just relying on my own effort to try to help people to grow or to see some change in the life of my loved one or to even change myself by my sheer will because i failed so many times so what are we to do now we know our need what is the solution and the main thing i want to communicate to you today is that god works in our lives to break down those things that hinder his work He works through how all of those nasty trials and difficulties to break your confidence in yourself and prepare you so that his life and power can flow through you to bless other people. Okay? So we can learn to be more like Jesus who there was no hindrance of the Holy Spirit working in his life. And some of you may be uh actually i i this this teaching i'm trying to summarize what what i what i learned from uh one book from watchman nee his is called release of the spirit and he he uses a lot of his own technical terms and stuff but i've this is what i i've came away with and i think it's it's uh it's very valuable so god starts to to work in us the moment we began our relationship with him right he The moment we become a Christian the Holy Spirit comes into us and starts to work in us. He starts to teach us how to love people. He starts to work in us. And then eventually we come to our po- a point in our lives, hopefully we do, where what we call consecration. Okay, where we say, "Lord, please use me." And you think that might be the end of it, right? Okay, now we said, "Lord, please use me." But actually, what we experience is that God says okay let's get let's get started and then he's going to start preparing you to use you in your life so that point of consecration when we come God's always working in us from the time we become a Christian but when we consecrate ourselves to God we say lord i really really want you to use my life i want to be a blessing to other people i want to be used to be a uh, a strong stone in your church in your temple you know you say lord use me and then he says okay i'm going to use you but first i need to prepare you i need to shape you and bend you so that i can use you so he starts to work in us by breaking our confidence in our natural st- strength by breaking our pride by breaking our love of self by breaking our tendency to be 
clever and intelligent. All of these things, God has to break these things in us. Um, last summer, I, I was uh, near the end of the, the growing season. I was mowing my lawn, and I have these paving, paver stones that kind of serve as a walkway in my backyard. And I was, I, usually I, can, I set the mower so I can just go over them. And I was mowing along, and then I heard, thwack, like that. And the lawnmower just jumped up. And I was like, oh, no. So I turned it on its side and, 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 and looked at it, and half of the, the blade was totally bent out of shape. I was like, oh, I can't do it. But the good thing was is I had, I had mowed all my lawn. I was just getting that last part. And it was at the end of the, the growing season, so I was like, okay, whatever. So <laughs> I, I just uh, I, I, I set it aside until just this last week when, you know, as any of you who have lawns, you know that the grass is growing now, right? And especially I live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of retirees, and they always keep their lawns really close cut, so I have extra pressure. So I had to, I had to get the... The, the mower out and, and fix that blade. And the blade was, it was like basically like straight here except for that part. And it was like half of it was, was really just bent out of shape. And so I was like, wow, I don't know, uh, you know, how, how I can fix this. I, I got out pliers, big pliers, and, and tried to step on it and bend it. You know, it's not working. It was, it's really, really tough metal. So, I had to uh, resort to serious, serious means, and I, 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 I have some props to bring it out because I wanted to show you. and it was just really kind of bent and twisted up. And it has to, see, this one has to turn this way, and then this one has to turn this way, and then there's like a little indent here. And then, but this one, it, this side didn't look like it was supposed to at all. So I only had to, I only could look at this side and, and try to make this side look like that side. So I had to... I had to get out. I, it's okay. I, I could use this one. I had to get out my uh, my mall, so my log splitting mall. And then um, at first it was it was all. Now it's pretty flat, but before it wasn't. And I had to step down on it and go like this. So I had to do that several times. <laughs> like me, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe. 20 or 30 times until I, I could get it shaped back into a, a straight way. And not only straight, but kind of, you know, get the, get the right shape, you know, so that this, this one would be bent in the right way. And, and I can still see it's a little bit, it's a little bit out of shape. So, 
So I, I, had, I had to hit it a lot. And slowly, it started to bend back into the right shape. And uh, this last week, I, I was thinking about the sermon. And I was thinking, God, God kind of spoke to me that, you know, he, he has to work on us the same way. And that he uses difficulties and trials in our life to bend us back into the shape where he can use us. If, if I tried to mow my lawn with the, the blade bent like that, it wouldn't work. Now, I don't think it's comfortable for the blade to be hit, but it needs to happen. So if that blade wants to be used to cut grass... It needs to submit to me, lay down on that wood and get, get hit in the right places. And God needs to do that work in our lives. He needs to break those confidences in our natural self, break those, those you know, things that annoy us and distract us from, from focusing on God's work before he can use us. It's necessary. So many times we don't recognize what God is doing in our lives. We, we just look at the hammer and we say, oh, that hammer. Ding, that hammer. It just keeps hitting me. You know, we, we may focus on some person that's annoying us. And we say, oh, if that person was just gone, you know, or away from me, then... It wouldn't be a problem. You know, I wouldn't feel this way. Or maybe some, some persecution. You know, maybe your family, you know, disagrees with, with what you're doing in church or something. You know, or, or, uh, or your, your loved one. Or, you know, there is different uh, difficulties in our lives and we don't recognize what God's sovereign purpose is in these weaknesses, in these insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. And those are the, the things that Paul listed in Second Corinthians, at the end of Second Corinthians. He said, Therefore, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties, because Christ's power is going to rest on me. For when I am weak, when I am broken, when I learn no longer to trust in my natural self, then I am strong. So Paul said, I delight in those things because I know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So if we can recognize what God is doing in our lives, then it, we, we may be beaten down, but inwardly, outwardly, we're being beaten down, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. We draw that strength from God. No longer are we relying on our natural selves, on our, 
abilities, our, our natural inclinations, our own passion, relying on, on just emotions. But we're relying on the power of the Holy Spirit that supplies our need. Okay, so this is very theoretical, and I think that we need to see it in action. So the, a good example is the Apostle Peter. So there were 12, Jesus called 12 apostles, right? And then Peter was one of the apostles. And each of the four Gospels talks about Peter a lot. And so I'm going to kind of go through the, the main events in, in, in Peter's um, ministry with Jesus in, the first, in three, over three and a half years. First of all, Jesus called Peter. So when he, Jesus first called Peter, the Bible says that Peter and, and his buddies, James and John and his brother Andrew, they had just come back from a night of fishing in the Sea of Galilee. And they, they um, I believe it was the Sea of Galilee, and they, they hadn't caught anything. And Jesus told them, throw your net over the side. And Peter's, Lord, you know, we, we, we've been fishing all night. We have, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'm going, we'll, we will do it. So he threw his net over the side. And miraculously, they caught so many fish that their boat began to sink. And they called another boat, the, their friend's boat, over to help them. And that boat began, began to sink. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he saw all the, this miracle, he fell at his feet, I mean, on his knees, and he said, Lord, go away from me. For I am a sinful man. He recognized who Jesus was. And at the same time, he recognized who he was. And Jesus told him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be a fisher of men. So that's the first call of Peter. Jesus first called Peter. The second, second uh, story that we have from Peter's life is one night, uh, Jesus told the disciples to go ahead, cross the lake without him. And in the middle of the night, they're, they're, while they were still crossing, there arose a big storm in the middle of the lake. It was dark and stormy, and they're on the lake. And then they, they think they see somebody walking across the water. And they think, is that Jesus? And Jesus says, Peter, come out to me. And so... Peter, he gets out of the boat and he starts walking towards Jesus. But then he sees the wind and the, wa- wind and the waves and he starts to become afraid and he sinks and says, Lord, help me. And Jesus catches him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, we, we like to you know, say, oh, Peter shouldn't have doubted. But I don't know how many of us would have got out of the boat, right? <laughs> it's like, that's... that's uh, so this is, these are just things that we can see about Peter. Next, at one point, Jesus asked his, his disciples who people said he was. They, they answered him. Some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus asked them, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up. He said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so, 
Jesus knew that was a turning point in, in Peter's life. Peter, Peter recognized who, who Jesus was, and, and Jesus prophesied over him. He told him, Peter, I change your name to Rock. His name was Simon, and Peter is Greek for rock. He says, I change your name to rock. And on this rock, this confession that you made, that I am the, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church on that. So he, he recognized the, the role that Peter was going to p- play in building the Orthodox church that was founded upon that, that basic confession of who Jesus was. The next Next thing we see in Jesus' life is that where um, Jesus starts to tell his disciples what's going to happen to him. It's, it's coming toward, toward the end of his, uh, his ministry. And he tells them that he's going to be handed over to the chief priests and the elders and what they're going to do to him, how he's going to have to suffer. And the Bible says that Peter took Jesus aside and he says, Lord, no, this will never happen to you. Jesus had to rebuke Peter. He said, away from me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter wanted, he had the good intentions. He wanted to to do the right thing. He wanted Jesus to be successful, but he lacked that spiritual discernment. His his mind hadn't been been broken to the point where he could could receive what the Holy Spirit was, was guiding him. Later, um, Jesus told, started telling people that unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you cannot be part of me. Then the Bible says this was a hard teaching that many people couldn't accept. So he lost a lot of disciples. And Jesus turned around to his 12 disciples and he said, what about you? Are you going to leave me also? And Peter, to his credit, he spoke up and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. Peter knew he was sold out for for Jesus. He was sold out. All of him, he was consecrated to God. And we all know what happens when you get consecrated, right? God really starts to, to, to work in you. So that's uh, then we come to the night before Jesus' crucifixion. And the rest of these things happen in that 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 night before Jesus is crucified, the Last Supper. So during the Last Supper, Jesus starts to wash his disciples' feet. And when he comes to Peter, Peter says, um, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Peter, Jesus says, hey, if you're going to take part in me, you, you need to let me do this. So he says, okay. And then Jesus predicts Peter's de- denial. Um, or Jesus predicts Peter's, Peter's denial. And then later on that night, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus specifically told Peter, James, and John, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Later, Jesus comes back and they're asleep. And Jesus asks Peter, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing but the body is weak. When Judas and the, the, the temple guards came to arrest Jesus, Peter was the one who came out with the sword and cut off this 
the high priest's ear. Jesus healed the man's ear and told Peter, put the sword away. And then um, Jesus had predicted Peter's denial, but his denial, I think it's good for us to look at it in detail, is in Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, starting at 54. Luke 22, starting at verse 54. Luke 22, starting at 54. I'm reading from the NIV. Then, seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered what the, the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This was Peter who says who said, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And he denied Jesus three times. Now, I believe there's reason why this is recorded in the Gospels. And I think that this entire experience was very important for Peter, that even though it was very painful, God used it for Peter's good. And then the, the Bible says that John, the, the Apostle John, was there to witness all of this, what had happened. And John was actually the one who helped Peter get into the, the courtyard of the high priest because he was a friend of the high priest, or he was known to the high priest. So some 50 years later, John writes the last gospel, and he's at the end of his life, and he wrote down what he saw and heard. He not only knew of Peter's time in Jesus' ministry, but also the role Peter played in the early Jerusalem church and how God used Peter as an apostle to to the Jews and also to to the Gentiles, and eventually how Peter died as a martyr in Rome under Nero. John knew all of this. In fact, that's why he, he writes uh, the epilogue to his gospel in John 21. Let's look, turn to John 21. John 21, verse 1 through 19. John 21, 
verse 1, 1 through 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. John is one of the sons of Zebedee. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Sound familiar? They're out all night fishing, and they didn't catch anything. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So it's familiar, right, when Jesus first called Peter. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards when they landed, they saw a fire burning of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, and even so many, with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have some breakfast. In verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Peter had had told Jesus that even if all these others leave you, I will never leave you. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, Son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, and he knew, he remembered that he would deny, he denied Jesus three times. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger and dressed yourself, you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. John knew that he was, he was martyred under Nero. Then he said to him, follow me. It's that same call when he, he first met Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me three times? 
because Peter had denied him three times. And Peter was entirely broken. <laughs> the lost sheep. <laughs> Peter, had, Peter had denied him three times. And Jesus, Jesus wanted Peter to know, Peter, to follow me, you cannot rely on yourself. You cannot rely on your own strength of will. You cannot rely on your own determination, on the sword cutting off people's ear, on your own thoughts that, Lord, this should never happen to you. Peter, you need to be broken, and then you can follow me. And eventually, you will follow me. They were going to crucify Peter, and when they did, Peter asked if he could be crucified upside down so that he would not be, uh, die in the same manner as Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I think this is a very good um, example and story how we can see how God works in somebody's life. If he does this with Paul, if he does this with Peter, how much more for us? Shouldn't we welcome the trials and difficulties that God brings into our life to shape us, especially after we have consecrated ourselves to him? Lord, if you truly are going to use me, do whatever you want. When we need to be ready to face the, the, the shaping, the discipline of the Holy Spirit that, that he's going to bring. You know, we, if we understand this, things this way, when we look at our lives, we will see, you know, all of this time it seemed so unfruitful, I can see all of these difficulties, all of these trials. God is preparing me. You know, a lot of times, God wants you to change before he changes the outside things. He wants to change us. You know, we, we may, if, if God gives us the outward success when we're not ready, we may fall. What good would that be? Is that our goal? Is not our goal to please God, to be used by him in whatever way he wants? So I think, uh, you know, if we remember what, what God has done um, through the lives of people like Paul and Peter, and, and, and we, we consider our own lives, then, you know, we, we, we won't feel so bad. Also, we won't, criti- we won't blame that hammer that God is using. Don't blame that person who irritates you. Don't blame the person who's persecuting you. Don't blame the, the you know, the, the, the bank is giving you trouble or, you know, the, you know, the, I don't know, whatever it is. Don't blame that thing. It's just the, the tool that God is using to shape you and, and, 
and use you. God is sovereign. He has control over all things. You know, our job is to yield ourselves. Say, Lord, use me. Work through me. Level out all of these things that would hinder the flow of your Holy Spirit in my life. Go ahead and and shape me so that I can be used of you. I want to be used of you, Lord. You look at the book of Acts, how Peter is changed. You don't see of that, that self-assertiveness, that reliance on, on himself like you did in the, in the Gospels. Peter, is, he's, a, he's a new guy. He's relying on the Holy Spirit. It's the same way with us. So I hope this... Uh, that we we will remember this message. If you if you can't if you have trouble remembering, you just remember the lawnmower blade. You know we are like the lawnmower blade. God is hammering us to get us into shape. He wants to use us. Amen. All of us here we have a goal to reach the full potential of what God has for us to be. Right. We want to be a glorious church, holy and blameless, not mediocre. We don't want to settle for anything less than God's best. That means God's going to have to work in our lives. So I, 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 th- I thank you for, for your time today. And, and, and if you want the, the notes, I can email them to you or I'll post them on our Facebook page. And then you can, I have lots of verses in there that you can study on your own. Okay, let, let's close in prayer. Lord, we admit that we are weak, Lord. Lord, we are not any better than Peter. Lord, many times we can't stay up and pray with you, watch and pray with you, Lord. Lord, if it came down to it, we admit that we would be very hard-pressed not to deny you, Father God. Lord, Lord, we recognize the work of your hand in our lives, Father God. Father, all these trials and hardships, Lord, you have a purpose in them. You didn't send them, Father God, but you can use them. You can work all things for the good of those who love you, Lord. Father God, we submit ourselves to you Lord you are the shepherd of our souls Lord you guide us into green pastures Lord Father God we follow you Lord wherever you lead us Father God Father God I pray Lord that people will will today, Father God, they will have a new hunger for you. They will desire, Father God, to have that close relationship with you, Father God. Lord, that you are going to speak to them about their current situation, Father God. How you're working in them, Father God. How what you want for them, Lord. Father God, you will give them a vision, Father God. Lord, so that they won't lose heart. Father God, Father, speak to them, Father God. Comfort them, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we submit to you, Father God. 
We give you all the glory, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for the times of refreshing, Father God. And we thank you, Father, for the the times of trial and difficulty too, Lord. Because you're teaching us, Father God. Thank you, Father. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So... So if you're, if you're a guest here today, we really uh, thank you for coming. We welcome you here. This is like your spiritual family. We hope that you come again. Uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Lau, will be back next week. And we pray that you have a, a blessed week, full of the Holy Spirit, full of listening to Him. Amen? Amen. <laughs>